0: From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and SiriusXM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on SiriusXM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's work-life integration project and author of the bestseller Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman.
1: My guest on this episode of Work and Life is Catherine Steiner Adair, who is a clinical psychologist at Harvard Medical School who studies the impact of social media and technology on family life. She's written about this in her very useful book called The Big Disconnect, which examines The negative impact of the digital revolution on parents and children, and offers some practical insights that can help parents to try to find some harmony uh, in their families uh, with respect to uh, the relationship with technology. Uh, She talks about how she got into this topic in a big way as a result of her son's addiction to gaming, and some of the specific problems that are caused by overuse of technology by by children including uh, their uh, lessened ability to self-regulate to uh, to demand instant uh, gratification the increase in that in such demand and perhaps most tragically giving up on imagination and the capacity for deep play these two seem to be on the decline and of course one needs that capacity throughout life to be able to create and to become oneself. So what can you do, as a parent, to manage not only your own technology addiction, but also your kids' relationship with technology, and how, as a family, you use it uh, and contain it? So that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. I am sure you will find this to be useful. if you do enjoy our show, let me just put in a little plug here. We personally appreciate it when uh, you, listeners, uh, go to iTunes or wherever you uh, rate your, your, your favorite podcasts and, uh, and provide a review. So I hope that, that you'll do that. Now, without further ado, Catherine Steiner Adair. Catherine, welcome to Work and Life.
0: Thank you so much. Uh,
1: So, Catherine, tell us, what prompted you to write The Big Disconnect, Protecting Childhood and Family Relationships in the Digital Age?
0: Well, the first thing that prompted me was my own struggles as a mom dealing Mm -hmm. with this. My 30-year-old son was a very quick adapter to gaming, and um, I I didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't know (sighs) how to handle it. I didn't know how to set appropriate limits. He ended up... You know, going to business school and, and he works in the industry, He spent a couple of years in Wall Street, and didn't like that, and uh-huh. really was able to combine his love of finance and, and technology. Fantastic. But it was rough going when he was gaming. And What
1: was rough about it?
0: Well, I said, no, you know, I'm trained both as a developmental psychologist and mm-hmm. a clinical psychologist, and this was a long time ago. This was when games were real games that you could beat, and he was beating these games, and I felt like it was so stimulating for him and really creative, and clearly he was mm-hmm. going you know, into this with with real intellectual gusto, but I also felt like something was going on between his brain and the computer that was very unlike anything I'd seen, but there was no research then.
1: Wait, and you, so were, you were I, worried about that?
0: Yeah, I was, I was absolutely worried about it. You know, he would, this is a kid who would come to dinner politely, except when I said, stop playing, you know, get off your computer. And he was much angrier, and, and he, it mm. took him more of a while just to transition into being present at the dinner table for a great conversationalist. It was very noticeable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now there's tons of research. And the thing actually that's really hard is to listen to the research because we've all fallen in love with tech our lives now revolve around it oh. and it's very hard to push the pause button and reboot and rethink what we're actually doing
1: and that's that's so really what we have book. to do yes yeah, so yeah you're you're so, raise on death for the book
0: that was one of them mm-hmm. and then the other thing was i was really curious to interview kids about what it's like to be a child growing up in the digital age what's it like to be a four-year-old, or 14-year-old, or 24-year-old, mm-hmm. with a parent who has a laptop, an iPad, a mini, you know. So I was very lucky. I was able to go into 30 independent schools around the country and interview 1,250 kids.
1: And what did you discover?
0: Well, for your show, I'd say the thing that really blew me away was how frustrated and exhausted kids of all ages are. Hmm. trying to get their parents' attention. Whoa. And it was really sad to hear Mm. children using the same adjectives, angry, sad, madly, lonely, frustrated at every age. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we've got to outsmart our smartphones, and the the work (laughs) family boundary is gone with technology. You know, as wonderful as technology is, and it is, and it is here to stay. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes it really hard to know when you can disconnect from work and ha- when are the moments to be totally present to your family.
1: Yes, I, I, I would say that uh, it's not that the boundary is gone; it's just that it's incredibly hard to to now manage intelligently and and consciously and deliberately, given you know the fact that we've got our work with us all the time now.
0: Well, that's what I mean. You know, you could ostensibly now be at work twenty four seven, right? And, and that's, that's, that's the boundary that's gone. It used to be you come home from work. Of course. And now work travels in your back pocket with you wherever you go.
1: Yes, and we are the first generation in history perhaps where that has been true. That's right. So, so we're just learning as a, as a species how to manage this new technology. Uh so so tell us more about what you discovered cuz I, I thought you were going to say uh what you discovered about the problems that kids are having you know themselves with their you know ability to pay attention. Oh, I
0: discovered and... 10 yeah I mean the book is full of stories about that. Right. And I expected to find that. Mm-hmm. You know it's very rare to listen to kids at 4 and 14 and 24 when asked a question all give the same answer.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, so little
0: people, little problems, you know, middle school or middle school drama. They all had the same thing to say, and so, that's what shocked me. So
1: the 24-year-olds were saying, I can't get my mother's attention because she's on her smartphone?
0: You bet. And, and they had the same examples. For instance, you know, six- and seven-year-olds would say things like, I hate it when my mom says, can't wait to see you after school, honey. I'll be first in line at pickup, and then I get in the car, and she's talking to grandma. And then the 24-year-old or 26-year-old would say, you know, it's so annoying. It makes me so mad. And mm-hmm. it actually feels really hurtful when my parents are so excited to pick me up and they meet me and they say, we'll, we'll be behind TSA and, you know, we're, we get in the car. And they ask me something really important, like, H- which job are you going to take? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Did you really break up with your girlfriend? Or well, hold on. I got to
1: get this call. Can you wait a second? sure. No, I'm just kidding. That's what they say, right? Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought you were doing
1: it to (laughs) me. No, just kidding. Sorry.
0: And then, you know, three seconds in, they're like taking a call to make a golf game, right? you know, or dinner reservation or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We ask them a serious question mm -hmm. and then we say, oh, just wait
1: a sec. And of course, the message there is that there's something more important in my life right now than you.
0: That's right. And that's what kids are really struggling with because You know, that's a message I got from my parents at different times, and that's fine. It's about how often they get it. Mm -hmm. And since smartphones have come up, especially, we have created a new cultural norm. And when you step back and reflect on it, it's pretty staggering. And the norm is that it is okay to be in a conversation with your husband, your wife, your partner, your kids, and at the sound of a ping or a little vibration on your phone, you ask them to just freeze in time, right? And you turn your attention elsewhere. You don't even know who it is is calling, but whatever it is, the message is: this matters more. This is more important. But it, I'm leaving you in the moment.
1: It doesn't have to be that way, does it?
0: No, no. Of course, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. But so, we have
1: to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What what is it that to, we, we need have to, to do? Be a
0: lot more thoughtful. Right. You know, right now we're still sort of in the adaptation stage. Mm-hmm. We're sort of at the whim of our phones, many people.
1: Of course. Most people, I would say. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? How do you, how do you help people to, uh, to detach in a way that allows them to pay attention to the people who matter when they need to be attended to?
0: Well, when it comes to kids, I think there are certain times in the day it's really important to be tech-free. Like, just have it in your head. You're mm-hmm. not going to even take out your phone. It's just an off time. I think that, you know, some of the things I say, get up a half hour earlier than your kids. So you do all your email, and then know for the next, you know, 45 minutes, mm-hmm. you're just off. Because it's a frantic time getting out the door. And sure. they need they need nice parents, not cranky parents who get annoyed when they're interrupted because they're texting. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then in in the car on the way to school, especially for little children... Playing Candy Crush makes the ride easy, but it's not what they need psychologically or neurologically. And they hate, kids hate, of all ages, kids hate hearing their parents talking on Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And another time that's really important is when you come home from work. Mm -hmm. You know, Stand in the rain, stand in the snow, but do not walk in your house in a conversation because you're not coming home from work, you're bringing work home.
1: And everybody knows that.
0: They do, and, and, you know, again, that was another thing, kids of all ages, 6 and 16. I've never run and hug my father when he walks in the door anymore, because all I'm going to get is, shh, hold on, honey, this is important. I really want to see you, just one sec. Mm. And then another habit of mind, because technology has really changed how we think about time and how we think about what's important. And many adults have this new habit of mind, that they walk in the door And they say a quick hi to everybody. And then the next thing they say is, I'm just going to go check my email. Yes. And that just checking email. See you later. Yeah, you're gone, you know, Mm -hmm. 25 minutes, two hours. And you're checking out. You're not coming home. So, you know, one of the things I would suggest you ask yourself, is there any reason, is there anything absolutely urgent that means you cannot... Come home, walk in the door, and have whatever it is, 45 minutes, an hour and a half, where you're completely offline and present to yourself and your family and dinner without any tech.
1: Hi, this is Stu Friedman. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. And I'm just so glad you're listening. If you like The Work and Life podcast, I would personally appreciate your taking just a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you access this podcast, whatever your favorite platform is. We are relatively new as a podcast, uh, and our team is working really hard to bring you for free the best of the conversations that took place on my SiriusXM radio show but were previously available only to paid subscribers. So every positive rating and review helps us to grow our capacity to move faster toward the goal of sharing useful information and insights about how to create harmony among the different parts of life with people who wouldn't otherwise have access. So please do help us. And if you have ideas for what we can do to improve our impact, please write to me at friedman@wharton.upenn.edu. At I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and now, back to the show.
0: I also interviewed but, 500 teachers and 500 parents. And, you know, teachers have very similar things to say. I've actually just come back from six weeks on the road. I was over in Asia and across the country, and teachers mm-hmm. everywhere say the same things that they're seeing. They're seeing kids can't self-regulate as well.
1: What does that mean? Could you translate that?
0: They can't calm themselves down. Hmm. You
1: You mean they need their device to... to... They
0: need their device. Yeah, they're jittery, they're twitchy. They're so used to the fast pace, the instant gratification, the automatic restart. The device gets you to the next level. Hmm. You know, you you think about the difference between playing dress-up in real life and playing dress-up on an iPad the iPad has nothing to offer a child. It's it's you know you're, all that's involved kinesthetically is your finger. You know dress up is a great thing to play for coordination if you're a little person. You're walking around in big boots and stuff, and it's great for your imagination. You're making up a story, and you have your own internal vision of what a warrior or a princess or whatever it is you mm-hmm. are, instead of imbibing these horrible gender stereotypes. So- and most of all, the the biggest thing that they see kids giving up on so quickly, which is so tragic, is their own imagination. Mm -hmm. It's called the capacity for deep play. And it's, you know, when you're playing and you come to a a quiet spot, and then you, you realize, oh, I have a new idea. And when kids play computer games all the time, the computer just spits out one idea after another after another. And not that it's not creative sometimes. Some things kids do on computers are amazing. But when you do it a lot... And it doesn't matter what you're doing, junk or great stuff. The pace of it, the stimulation of it, the mm-hmm. fact that it's a neurological stimulant to the brain, for some children, starts to make play in real life seem slow and boring mm. and like more work. And wow. that's something we got to be careful about.
1: So teachers are seeing uh, you know, a, a reduced capacity for imagination, the need for... Uh, you know, that, that, that twitchy hit to give, give people, students, uh, you know, uh, a device to, to keep them attending to something. Uh, well,
0: well, kid, you know, when you play a computer game, every time you do something, you know, you match lowercase A to uppercase A, there are butterflies, there are sparkles, there are little tweety birds who sing to you. And, and that in and of itself is a reinforcement Mm-hmm. and it's a stimulant so kids start to expect teachers to say oh great job oh great job oh great job all the time
1: oh and that's not so that's why my students way. don't like it when i give them a b minus on a paper
0: yeah no kidding <laughs> <laughs> um so that's one thing um the other thing is kids interrupt more they're they they can not stay calm as well hmm. and that's That's what self regulation is all about.
1: What does this portend for our future?
0: Well, it's a really good question. You know, I think one of the things that's really tricky is we've fallen in love with the great aspects of technology. And, in part before, we had some of this research, so we've got schools heavily invested in ipads and mm-hmm. you know meanwhile, you're sending middle schoolers and high schoolers, but especially middle schoolers home, with homework on an iPad, and they're not just doing their homework on the iPad, of course, they're doing two or three different things mm-hmm. and they're they're not developing the same capacity for focus and attention and um, so you know d- deep thinking. And that's it's a challenge everyone's grappling with everywhere.
1: So what more can be done uh, from let's start with parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talked about the importance of you know turn it off, be conscious, think about do you really need to take this call? What's the cost to you, to your family yep. life, to your future family relationships? Uh, that's something that anybody can do. Uh, yep,
0: and I think every house can have an understanding that in the family room, no one's got a screen of any kind. You know, have a design- like a smoking you know room, have a designated space where people are on their devices, but make sure you have a screen free place because what typically happens is you're all hanging out in the living room and suddenly one person takes out their phone and instantly it's contagious everybody else of does course it
1: too. so so but what do you do though when you know people are addicted now right so you're you're talking about cold turkey, just like. The-
0: well, it depends. I mean, we use the word "addicted" here with lowercase a. They use the word "addicted" in Asia with capital A because they have over 300 treatment programs for five to 18 year olds who truly are what they have medically diagnosed as ad- and determined to be addicted to technology. We don't have that medical classification yet. In are America. you sure?
1: I thought the DSM five had it as it's a
0: considering uh, it for gaming. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they have technology addiction. You know, they have different ways of talking about it, as wow. well as uh, their and their approach to treatment is is very harsh. If you want to see a very scary movie, to me, watch the movie Web Junkie.
1: Web Junkie. What happens? Web junkie. What yep. happens there?
0: Well, in it, it, at this particular treatment center in China, the way they work with teenagers who are who are clearly addicted to technology is they put them in solitary confinement. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we we hardly put anybody in solitary confinement for any kind of mental disorder in America. What we do here, and more and more programs are are cu- cropping up, is that we send kids, you know, and adults into the mm-hmm. wilderness on You're programs right. like Outward Bound sure. for extended amounts of time. Mm-hmm. And nature is a beautiful place for families to go on vacation. For you to make sure on the weekend you all have, you know, time off of technology to make sure every day. Your kids, their brains have a rest. Some period some technology. of rest. You know, you have basically until eighth grade to teach your kids how not to have their devices in their bedroom when they fall asleep. This is a critical issue, critical issue that kids learn not to depend psychologically on having a computer and a smartphone in their bedroom when they sleep because they don't sleep as well. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they don't learn as much. Because, you know, sleep is so important for health and learning. So there there are all sorts of habits we want to reconsider. And parents can do a lot to do that, both for themselves. It's not good for couples to have iPads in beds.
1: You know, it's
0: not good to read that way. and, Mm -hmm. And people often feel ignored.
1: Of course. Well, I mean that's true though with paperbacks uh, as well. No. Yes,
0: but your brain doesn't interact with a book near in the same way. Uh, the light of a screen from a computer, especially, mm-hmm. uh, disrupts your brain's ability to produce melatonin. So, you know, it's much easier to fall asleep reading a book or even watching TV than it is to fall really? asleep on a computer. Yep.
1: Why is that? What? Why is TV better it, than it a
0: computer? It has to do with the intensity of the the, the, the way light? the computer screen, the lights, yeah, mm-hmm. and the way it. it the intensity of the way in which your brain interacts.
1: I imagine that many parents would face um, all kinds of resistance to enacting yeah. some of the suggestions that you yeah. have offered. How do you How do you manage
0: uh, well, you know, the process about, of change? Yeah, it's very hard. You know, and and this is something I had to go through with my own kids. Um, I, I talk in the book about having a family responsible use agreement, and it's something you revisit all the time. And I think the best thing to do is really sit down. First of all, sit down. You know, with the adults, whoever they are in your household, mm-hmm. and really try and think about: Are we creating the family life we want? Do we have the quality of conversations we want? What a great are question! Are we playing enough together as a family? You know, you you want to make sure you 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 have fun together as a family. It's, it, kids love it when their parents play with them, mm. and you know that was another thing: four year olds and. And 18-year-olds, you know, the 4-year-old say my daddy's smartphone is a stupid phone because he said he was going to read to me, and he didn't. And then, you know, the 18-year-old version of that is, you know, I love my dad. He works so hard, I, and I'm so proud of him. He's got, he has this amazing job, and, you know, we get to go on these awesome vacations. But I hate it. It makes me so angry, and I feel so hurt when I have to say, come on, Dad, do you really have to text on the ski list? Is there mm. any time, you know, family comes first? Mm-hmm. So you know this—it it goes very quickly. Our yeah. kids go quickly, oh my gosh. and and <laughs> you that. really have to protect those moments and and those cumulative moments and experiences to create the foundation of a family.
1: Absolutely, and protection is is, a, is such a great word for that because there is this kind of incursion that modern life is uh, is making on our. You in know our intimate lives through these yes. devices. You know, wonderful and powerful and incredibly liberating as they are. Yes, but we've got to rein them in.
0: We do, we do, and we can. There's nothing here we can't do. There's nothing here we can't do. And you know, the flip side is that you know, like texting. You know, is it good to text your kid to come to dinner? No, it's not. Go upstairs, knock on the door, and even if they bark at you, at least you know they're you know, sort of what's going on for them in that moment. And kids really like it when we make the personal effort hmm. to go get them. On the other hand, teenagers will text their parents things they're afraid to say. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing. Right. You know, in my book, anything that helps a child tell a parent something that they're scared about is a beautiful thing. Hmm. So, you know, it, there are times to use these wonderful tools and then there are times not to. And it's just Really, a matter of being a little more thoughtful about
1: it. Being conscious about how yeah. each medium helps you. And indeed, I, I ask my students in my total leadership class with, to think about uh, who are the key people in your life and how do you communicate with them? That's yeah, one of the questions I ask them like, through what media? Do you, do you question. communicate? And, and they then are thoughtful about, well, gee, I'm spending a lot of time texting with this person. I'm face-to-face with that person. Maybe I should switch it up and, and use you know, different forms of communication with different people so they become yeah. more conscious. I also ask them to, to detox. I say take six yes. hours in a, sometime right. this week and just mm-hmm. shut down and tell me what happens and tell us what you discover. And, of course, what they discover is that you know, flowers are beautiful,
0: <laughs> it's so true. And that should be part of a way of life, you know, like Tech Shabbat, you know.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: We can, all, we can all think about, you know, do we give ourselves 24 hours? Six hours is great, but try for more.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going for something that's doable in an MBA student's yeah. life.
0: I, I get that. I get <laughs>
1: that. <laughs> well, so uh, we're, we're out of time here. What's what's the, the last word you want to leave our listeners with? And I, I hope that you'll come back because there's so much more I want to talk with you uh, about I'd love this, to, this I topic. I guess the
0: last word I would say, is I'm thinking myself to the next few days, Between now and Thursday, email everybody in your family. Yeah. And try and get a group conversation or text them, going about how you want to handle Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, yeah. This
0: is a really hard thing because different families have different rules with their children.
1: With the rules of engagement. Different
0: people have different expectations. Yes. And try and come up with an agreement before you arrive at your destination and it will make things go much better
1: if you can get agreement
0: yeah (laughs) and 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 then if you can't get agreement try and respect differences and say okay i get it you let your kids Mm -hmm. you know play games can they play games between x hours and we'll take Ah. our kids out during that hour
1: ah so you're negotiating
0: you're negotiating Ah, yeah
1: brilliant uh, I've been speaking with Katherine Steiner-Adair. She's a clinical psychologist and author of the wonderful book, The Big Disconnect, Protecting Childhood and Family Relationships in the Digital Age. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I enjoyed it.
1: I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Katherine Steiner-Adair and that you might be inspired to take action and to change some aspect of your relationship and your family's relationship with technology. So here is my challenge to you. Find some way to give yourself and your family some freedom from your smartphone in order to be more present with your family, kids, other family members, whoever it is. They need you. And your most precious asset is your attention and your ability to give it to them. So perhaps you wanna try creating some technology-free place in your home or a specific time, like around a meal dinner table. You might try coming up with some agreement that you would just try for a couple days or a week about non-presence, absence of your everyone's smartphones at the table. Another idea, in the morning, as you're preparing uh, your family for the day, try one of those days or maybe just a part of one day where you are not on your smartphone. Similarly, you might try <clears throat> on arrival, back home from work or wherever you've been, uh, the the same thing, to be detached from your device, even for a short while, and then pay attention. See what happens when you do some kind of digital detox with loved ones, even if for a very short time, what transpires? What is different? What's better? What's difficult about what it is that you've tried? And then if you're up for it, I would love to hear from you. Tell me what happens by writing to me at, at Wharton.upen.edu. You can find all of our podcasts, by the way, on thriveglobal.com. That's Ariana Huffington's new venture where we are sharing our podcasts along with uh, some other content. So if you want to learn more, check that out. And finally, let me ask you, once again, to please rate and review Work and Life with Stu Friedman on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This means a lot to our team and helps to bolster our ability to share the work that we're doing here and and reach as many people as possible with it and uh, to try to help them with ideas for action that they can take to find harmony among the different parts of their their lives. I look at every review and I take the comments seriously. So please take a minute to do that. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, have a richer life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.